Sorry about that. Okay, um, so this is part two. Um, this uh, lesson is uh, titled, uh, What Will It Take? What Will It Take? And this is coming from Joshua, the third chapter, um, verses five through six. Uh, last week was part one, which was Joshua three, one through four. Um, this one is Joshua three, five through six. Last week we looked at um, the portion of the text that dealt with where are you um, coming from um, or where have you been which was the title of last week's lesson and then this one um, is titled what will it take I want to read our focus passage for today and then get into um, the actual text uh, verse by verse. Um, in the beginning portion of this text, I'll also take some time to uh, review just kind of where we left off last week. So hopefully if you have any notes, you can kind of go through with me as I point some things out that may have been significant for last week's lesson to transition to today. Joshua chapter 3, 5 through 6 says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. Just by way of introduction, I want to take a moment to recap where we left off last week. Remember, this was the portion of scripture, and I have it here on the, on the screen, but this was the portion of the scripture where the people were preparing to cross over to cross over um, the Jordan River and enter into the Promised Land. Uh, we took some time last week to look at chapter 1 as God gave instruction to Joshua. We looked at chapter 2 as um, the spies entered the land with Rahab, if you know that story, and then we moved into chapter 3. Chapter 3 is unique because there's some things that needed to take place and still need to happen prior to them entering into the promised land. It's called the promised land because it's just that. It's a land that God promised the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that Abraham's descendants would um, inherit. And we're about to um, embark on that passage um, shortly um, in our series. But prior to that, they're preparing. And it's always important for us to remember the significance and the importance of preparing. Preparation is so important. If you think about anything that you've um, had an opportunity to experience in your life, um, you probably, if it really was something that you attained that was of great value or you were really successful, it probably took some preparation, I would assume. Um, you may prepare um, before uh, entering a new job or a new career, you know, maybe some training and some things like that. You may prepare before you get married, um, making sure that you're ready and those things that the Word of God instructs. Maybe it's preparation before you have children, making sure that you have some things in order to give them what they need to grow up and be what God has called them to be. Uh, maybe it's preparation uh, for moving to a new location. Whatever the case may be, new level in, in your work. Whatever it is, preparation is key. And I hope that that's one thing that we take from this, this series here 
And so when we looked at last week, Joshua rose up early. Um, they were um, lodged at, um, at Shittim. Um, it says at the end of three days, the officers went through the midst of the camp. They commanded the people saying, you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. However, you shall, there shall be between you and a distance of about 2,000 cubits of measure. Do not come near it, so that you may know the way it shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Um, there's, there's a couple of things I want to point out real quick before we move into our lesson today. I won't spend too much time with this because I want to make sure I get a little time for our actual focus passage. But there was three things that connected to the instruction of the people. Uh, so this alliteration that I put right here on the screen uh, is the first thing was stay, the second thing was see, the third thing was set out. So if you go back to the... Um, the passage of scripture, you'll see those three things, which uh, I'll go to here in a moment. And it was really important that the people follow the instructions of their leaders. Again, it was really important for the people to follow the instructions of their leaders. Um, you're probably seeing a running theme here. Instruction is important. Proper instruction, appropriate instruction is important to success. And so the first one was see, then stay, I'm sorry, stay, then see, then set out. So when you look here, the first thing that they did, they stayed here at Shittim. Remember we discussed Shittim last week. So they lodged there. Um, the Bible tells us that they lodged there for three days. That was for a reason. What they were supposed to do was go back in, reflect on their failures, their mistakes, their sin, the knowledge of deal with it, all right? Um, that is critical to our lesson today. So don't don't forget that point. That was the first thing. So that was stay. The second thing that they were to do was they were to see something, and it wasn't just seeing anything. It wasn't just supposed to look everywhere. This says when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it. Um, so they were to see the ark which represented the presence of God right but they didn't just see the presence of God they saw the presence of God with the Levitical priests and we remember the Levitical priests represented instruction for the people so what this really said was they were to see God's presence through instruction they were to see God's presence through instruction this is the same way today if we want to if we want God to reveal himself to us or we want to understand God and we want to see God's presence, it's through his word. It's through instruction. Um, otherwise, we won't be able to see it. Uh, that was clear in the, the conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus. There were some things that Nicodemus just couldn't see. It didn't make sense to him. He didn't understand because he needed to be born again. He needed to have that relationship. He needed to be in a position where he could and he did not. Um, and so that's extremely important. And then the third thing that was to happen was they were to set out. All right. Um, it says, then you shall set out of your place and go after it. Note that setting out happens after God's presence goes forward first. We set out after God. We don't set out before God. We set out after God. So it's extremely important for us to remember that God leads us. 
that's hard for us a lot of times because we have plans. We have big plans. We have plans to take over the world. But sometimes our plans go before what God has planned for us, and we encounter hardship, failure, and brick walls. So we want to make sure that God's presence goes first. We want to make sure that we're clear that it's God and not our own inclination. So that was that. If you're thinking about that, um, you're probably, you may, I know I did, you may be thinking about what we need to do before we follow God, before we follow Jesus Christ. So I want to um, bring your attention to uh, a favorite passage of mine, and that's First John 1 and 9. I was taught at a young age by um, my pastor that I grew up under that I love you. The scripture says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a couple of things here that I want to point out that relate to what we've already talked about in Joshua, the third chapter. It says, if we confess our sins, that's the shit I'm experiencing. That's when we go to our sins, we acknowledge our sins as it relates to God's plan and God's standard. We look at our sins in light of God's standard. If we do that every time, we're going to recognize that we are wrong and not God. See, sometimes we like to believe that God is wrong. We are right. We never can move into the phase two part where we are God's presence is revealed to us in his magnitude because we still haven't dealt with the fact that we are wrong. Once we recognize that I am wrong, then we can move into that next uh, portion. This is where God's presence steps in. That's where it says he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We acknowledge that we're wrong. He stepped in. He makes everything all right. Now we're in a position where we can follow my question that I posed at the beginning of the lesson, if you were waiting for the lesson to start, um, says, what does it take to follow Jesus Christ? What does it take to be a follower of Jesus Christ? It takes acknowledging that we are wrong in the eyesight of God, allowing God to make it right, and then moving into a position where we can follow him um, on this passage right here. So I just want to kind of point that out um, to you. Moving into our focus scripture today, verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3 says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You notice it begins, then Joshua, you know, this is after the instruction of the officers to, you know, the Shittim experience that we talked about last week. But this is after that. Joshua steps in and it says, Then Joshua said to the people. Now I want to stop there because if you notice, I want to I want to point some things that seems quite obvious, but I just want to remind us of it. Who is Joshua speaking to? He's not speaking to the leaders. He's not speaking to his household. He's not speaking to uh, the Levitical priests. He is speaking to everybody. This is instruction for everyone in this camp that was preparing to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. Let me just let me re rephrase that. He was talking to everybody that was preparing to 
receive what God had promised. That's a better way of saying it. You'll see why I mean that. So he's speaking to everybody. Everyone had an obligation and responsibility to consecrate themselves. And I'll talk about what that is. But everyone had a personal responsibility to God. It wasn't you consecrate this group of people and you know everyone had their own individual responsibility that's the way it is with us today we each have our own relationship with god and god will judge us based on our relationship with god once you reach a, an, an age of accountability where you can understand god's word and you had a then you are judged based on your actions, your thoughts, your decisions. Everyone had this responsibility. And so I didn't want to just breeze over that because I thought that was extremely important. No one is exempt from what he's asking the people to do right here. And that's consecrate yourselves. That's two words right there that means a whole lot to the people that Joshua was speaking to. Because they understood what he was saying. I want to open up what he was saying just so that we can understand it in today's time. But they understood what he meant when he said that. So he says, consecrate yourselves. Your Bible might say, sanctify yourself. All right? And sometimes they're used in the Old Testament and Hebrew Bible synonymously. Consecrate, sanctify. These are words that we a lot of times throw around in the church even today. You know, you sanctify. You know, some people think that means a lot of different things. However, I want to show you what it really means in light of this scripture right here. So to do that, I want to go to a, for the people, what would be a familiar point of reference. Um, for us, it may not be, unless you've taken some time to really read through some Old Testament scripture, especially um, the history of the Jewish people and the Israelites. When he said, consecrate yourselves, they probably thought about a certain story that they had heard certain things that they have heard about that had been taught through the people. Remember, Joshua was instructed, if you go back to chapter one of Joshua, um, of the book of Joshua, he was instructed to do some things, but he was not instructed to come up with his own plan. He was instructed to do some things, but he was not instructed to come up with his own plan. Instead, he was instructed to follow God in the way of the same way that Moses, his predecessor, followed God. See, what God was telling Joshua was, Moses did what I told him to do. And Moses had success with these hard-headed, stubborn people. <laughs> Joshua, I'm not asking for you to be creative and come up with your own plan and, and give me something new because the system works. I need you to follow the system and the blueprint. The system works. If you trust the system, you will have much success, good success, those type of phrases that we see in the book of Joshua. With that being said, Joshua was aware of some things because remember, I said Joshua was born in slavery. So he has had an opportunity to see everything that the children of Israel have went through. When I say children of Israel, I mean just that, that group of people. We know that there's a different generation, though, that is taking place in the book of Joshua because the 
prior generation died off in the wilderness. You remember that story um, because of their rebellion, their stiff neck attitude, their hard hardness of heart. As a result of that, they died off in the wilderness. A new generation came along. However, Joshua remained. We want to talk about that. Joshua, Caleb, they remained, and so. They, Joshua was to teach the people what the prior generations had went through and experienced. So it really, the, the, the tone of the Joshua, the third chapter, really reminds the people of what they had heard of in Exodus 19. So for the most of the rest of the lesson today, I'm going to settle in Exodus 19 as a parallel text. But what I want to do is point out the things that relate to consecrating yourselves remember the focus no matter what i say the focus is consecration consecrate yourselves that was the command consecrate yourselves this was joshua was not asking the people to consecrate themselves he wasn't saying hey you know what do y'all think about maybe you know consecrating ourselves before we go into the land which y'all think that's a good idea <laughs> no he didn't propose that it's a command and they were to follow it. And they had heard stories of what happened when you when you don't. So they had a, they had a choice to make. Um, nevertheless, we don't want to put it in that negative light. There's a positive aspect of following God's law. It's only positive. It's not negative. It's only positive. I get to receive all of what God has promised me through my obedience. That's a good thing because that's some things I want. There's some things I haven't even shared with anyone, except my wife, maybe, <laughs> that I want God to do for me. I know that I can't even come to God a certain way if my attitude isn't right. If I'm not obedient to his word, if I'm not faithful. And so that's my encouragement to you today. So Joshua was commanding the people to consecrate yourself. So let's look at it in Exodus, the 19th chapter. I'm going to read through um, this, and I'll read through some of it quickly um, so that I can point out some things I think are significant to this phrase, consecrating yourself, because it's a, it's really a big idea that I want to try to keep it in light of the big idea, but also break it down in some manageable like steps and actions that we can take with this, because I am telling you today to do the same thing, and that's consecrate yourself. So we're going to see what that looks like. Exodus 19, 1 through 6 says, in the third month, now, before I read this, I'm sorry, some things have already happened. Um, they have, God has already delivered the people out of the land of Egypt in a miraculous way that only he can. Um, if you go back to, and I'm going to scan through some things in, in the Bible, just kind of point some things out. So they went into the wilderness once they went into the wilderness, God provided some things for them. But you remember all throughout the wilderness, prior to this chapter, there was complaining and grumbling. The people just had a bad attitude. It's almost like they forgot that God had delivered them. It's almost as if they forgot that they were oppressed. It's almost as if they forgot that they were in bondage. Just that quick. But God delivered them and he provided for them in the wilderness. He gave them manna from heaven. This was amazing. He dropped food from heaven and he gave them enough so that everybody wouldn't have to worry about the next day. They can take what they needed. They still complain. They went to tomorrow. They still complain. Um, 
it just the attitude was just amazing to see with what God had already did for them. And then it brings us to Exodus 19. It says, in the third month after the sons of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that very day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. You hear Sinai, you should know that Sinai was the place where God gave Moses the law, Ten Commandments. That's Exodus chapter 20, and that goes on. Um, and so he's preparing the people to receive that. It says, when they had set out from Rephidim, they came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. And there Israel camped in front of the mountains. Moses went up to God, and he would always go up to God, and he would speak with God, and God would reveal things to him, and he would calm down. So it says, Moses went up to God, the Lord called him, called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the sons of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that I speak to the sons of Israel. There's a couple of things that I want us to, to really note right here, because when we go into the Joshua passage, he says, consecrate yourselves. And it's verbiage that the children of Israel understood. So it's almost as if Joshua is presenting to a new generation the same principle. So even though the times change, God's word didn't change. My, my, my pastor that I grew up under used to say, people change, but the word of God don't change. The word of God remains forever. And so Joshua is giving them a principle that isn't a new principle. It's consistent with God's character. It's consistent with God's character. Remember I said, if we want to have success with God, it, it's based off or it's as a result of our obedience to God's law. Remember I said that last Sunday. That's really the key. Um, this lesson text deals with spiritual preparedness. Spiritual preparedness. God tells Moses to tell the people. Remind the people that it was I that saved them from the Egyptians. Remind the people that it was I that brought them out on eagles' wings, as favorite language there. Remind the people that it was I that delivered them. They could, they could recall their time in Egypt. They could recall their time at the Red Sea where God delivered them. And those are stories that have happened prior to this one right here. So what he's telling the people is, that's the first thing you need to do is remember. We can't go forward until we remember what has happened. I remember I gave a quote last week about knowing the past so that it prepares you in essence for the, the, the future. Something to that effect. He, God wanted to remind the people what he did for them because he's the same God. He did it then. He can do it today. He hasn't really changed. <laughs> we change, but God does not. I am still that same God that has the power to deliver you from anything, things that you can't even imagine. 
in my own unique way because I am God. So I, I did want to point that um, part out. So that's here, right in the middle of the passage. This would be a recurring theme with the children of Israel. What I mean by that is God would always tell the leader to remind the people that he brought them out of Egypt. Remember this. Remember that they were to always teach the people to remember what he did for them. We as today need to have the same attitude. When we face something new, know that the situation might be new to us, but it's not new to God. Know that the situation might be new to us, but it's not new to God. So if we're reminded of what God has done for us, we shouldn't really think about the actual thing that God did. More so, we should think about who God was that did the thing. <laughs> because that is what's consistent. The situation might change, but God is omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He could move into any situation and impact it in a God-like way. So Leviticus, for example, is, is mentioned a lot of times. You'll see it around all of the, all of the, the books of the, uh, the first five books of the Bible. It says, but I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt to be your God. But it says thus, you shall be holy for I am holy. This is what I want to talk about because holy is another word that's a synonym for consecrate. So I want to talk about that because that's really what this passage is about. He's saying, you shall be holy for I am holy. During this time, God wasn't the only, with my quote fingers, God around. The Egyptians, the nations around the, the children of Israel had their own little gods. They had their own little system, their own little religions. And the, the, the objective of a God was to show that he was the real God. So when you see this, God wants the people to know that I am the supreme God. There really is no other competition. But I know that you have some explosion. You know that there's some other people that's worshiping some other gods around you. However, I am the God. I am holy. What that means is I am set apart from everything else. God wants to be set apart, set aside. God doesn't want to, to God doesn't want us to view him in light of other religions, other gods things of this world. He says, I am holy. He says, therefore, if you want to be with me, you have to be likewise. You have to be set apart, set aside. I am different. You ought to be different. I am holy. You ought to be holy. I am unique. You ought to be unique. We should not blend in with the world. That's the point. We are not to blend in with the world. Um, this is why, if you go back to the um, passage, he says, and I have an underline right in the middle, he says, the earth is mine. He's saying, I am that God. I am the God that created everything. I am the God that's sovereign over all. So, here's what's unique about this, though. <clears throat> in order for us to recognize this and to move into this position of holiness, to be set apart, set aside, to receive what God had promised, there is a condition. There is a condition. And I don't want, and I don't want to breeze over this because I don't want us to think that 
we can get everything of God and from God without holding up our end of the bargain. No, no, no. This is a conditional agreement between us and God. It's a choice. It's a decision you have to make. That's why it says here, now then, if you want to circle it, underline it, put a box around it, I tell my students, put a little smiley face right there, right? If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my commandment, then you will be this holy, consecrated people. So what am I saying? I'm, am I saying obedience and faithfulness is, is a requirement for holiness and consecration? Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't happen automatically. And that's really the point that I wanted to stress out right now. That's the big picture. That's a person that is transformed. That's a person that's transformed right here. Jesus said it um, best in John chapter 10. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, there's the obedience. That here is more of a belief. All right, That's not just, uh, I heard some noise out there. All right. See, because you can't really obey. Yours might say, my sheep listen to my voice or whatever it is. But you can't really obey God's voice or Jesus' voice if you don't know what Jesus' voice sounds like. So if you're not a, a student of God's word, if you're not one that reads the Bible and read the scripture and takes it seriously, you will never know when you will never be able to understand Jesus' voice. He can be calling to you as loud as with a with a bullhorn, and you won't recognize it because you it's through his word. The Holy Spirit just brings to light what God says. It's through his word. Um, so it's belief and then it's follow. It's belief and then it's follow. This um this section right here in Exodus the 19th chapter <coughs> says, God really says to Moses, I want to show the people that I am with you. I want to show the people that I am with you. I want you to bring the people close to the mountain. I want to speak to you in a thick cloud with thunder and, and lightning, which you'll see in the, the next verses. And I want the people to be there to witness it so that they know that I am with you. Because see, what happened was that the people were starting to feel, and you'll see it happen throughout you know, Exodus, um, you know, if you read through that, the people were starting to believe that um, maybe God was with Moses, maybe Moses was just a radical. I don't know, maybe God ain't with him all the time. I don't know if I really trust that. And remember, they began to oppose that, and God dealt with the people. But God wanted the people to know that they can trust in the words of Moses because God was with him and instructing him. Moses wasn't saying nothing that he just felt like saying. But he was about to prove himself right here to the people. He was about to reveal himself to the people. It reminds us of the passage of Joshua that I'm in because he said, consecrate yourself for I'm about to do wonders before the people. Before that happens, the revelation, there needs to be a consecration. So I'm not going to read this whole thing because it's long. But the very beginning, Exodus 19.10 says, The Lord also said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. All right? So just like Joshua was telling the people, consecrate yourselves. All right? Moses was instructed to consecrate the people. All right? There are some things that took place with this consecration. Consecration involves some things. I'll just read it. Why not? 
Uh, yeah, it's, I'll read it quickly. He says, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. You see that third day part coming in. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people all around. That reminds you of when he told them to keep a distance in our Joshua passage. Beware that you do not go up on the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. No hand shall touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. That's judgment for those that don't follow. Then it says, when the ram's horn sounds a, loud, a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the people to the mountain and consecrated the people. And they washed their garments. He said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. You see a lot of this in our Joshua passage. But I want to use this here to focus on what consecration meant then for the people that Joshua reminded the people of before they were about to enter the promised land that I'm reminding you today because there are some principles that still apply to that. And so I want to point out what consecration uh, looks like. First, when you think about what does it mean to consecrate yourselves, all right, Joshua said consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, God will do wonders before the people, all right? So before the wonder, the revelation of the wonder, these miracles, your Bible might say miracles before the people. Before they were able to experience this, they were instructed to consecrate themselves. Joshua laid that out. Moses laid it out before. The first thing in consecration is for one to choose God. If you are to consecrate yourselves, you are to choose God. What that is, is I said earlier, each one had an individual responsibility. Each person is supposed to make the decision on their own to choose God. That personal decision for Christ, this was not to be a coerced decision, meaning Moses Joshua weren't trying to manipulate the people. It wasn't to manipulate one, of them, one another. They were to make their own decision to choose God. You know, sometimes you, you, know, you have children or you have friends or family members that you want so badly. You, you want for them so badly to follow God and follow Jesus. Like you want them, but they, they're just not really with it. <laughs> you ever had that experience? You're witnessing to someone, you're trying to tell them, you're trying to show them, and, but really you're telling them, about how important it is to follow God and follow Jesus, but they, it seems like they just won't give in. They, they're not buying what you're selling. Don't worry about that because each person has their own responsibility. Let people come to God on their own terms. I, I can't stress that enough because what happens is if we think that our job is to trick people to come into God, try to manipulate people to come to God, then their faith may not be authentic. And this is what the Apostle Paul and others preached about 
when it came to a and James talked about when it comes to a proof of your salvation type. Found that the fruits weren't there because the the faith really wasn't there. What I'm saying by that is if a person comes to it on their own, they're more than likely to continue in it because they made the decision. All right? First thing is choosing God. The second thing is sacrifice. Let me say one more thing about choosing God. Choosing God is a commitment, which is how I'm going to end the lesson of that. Choosing God is a commitment. We're being commanded to make a commitment to God. Commitment is important. It's funny, though. We are comfortable with committing to everything else but God. We will commit to a, a financial plan, a weight loss plan, a career plan, anything. But we have a heart. We, there is a fear and, and resistance to committing to God. Why? Why is that? Why do we hesitate to commit to the one that saved us from all? That's just something to think about. The second point is sacrifice. Now, it might sound like I'm saying you need to sacrifice to consecrate yourselves. That's not really what I'm saying. Before I tell you what I'm saying, I'm going to read the passage that we should know by heart, and that's Romans 12, 1 through 2. This says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm not saying to you today to sacrifice in order to consecrate yourselves. I'm saying be a sacrifice. The scripture tells us to be a sacrifice, meaning you are to be set aside for God's glory. That's what a sacrifice was. Jesus was a sacrifice. He came and, and he, you know, he followed God to be so God can use him in his own unique, special way. He was set aside for God's glory, and we are called to do the same thing if we are to pattern after God. Okay? The um, This is us fulfilling our purpose. It's being what God has called us to be. The That brings us to the next point, that scripture. If we are to consecrate ourselves, we ought to be separate from the evils of the world. See, God told the people, I'm holy. He says, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like the worldly system of worldly gods that you see. All right? I'm not that evil system. We are to, to prove those things which are of God. We are to separate from those things that are not. That's what this one says. We ought to be pure. Okay? And then the last one um, is to remove distractions. If you remember the verse, it was interesting because you might have just read through it. Some of you probably heard it. In that Exodus passage, he says, don't come near a woman. <laughs> you remember that? Like He said, do all these things, don't come near a woman. Moses wasn't, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on because we got kids in there. But um, he wasn't saying that having a relationship or relations with your wife is, is unpure or, un, or not holy. 
what he was really emphasizing is focus in on this task that's at hand as we transition into where God is calling us to be. So when Joshua was saying, consecrate your people, consecrate yourselves because tomorrow I'm about to do this, he's saying, remove yourself from any distraction that can cause you to lose focus on why we're here right now. All right? And so this is what he's saying. For the sake of drawing closer to God right here, remove yourself from distractions. We need to keep this practice in mind, though. We need to remember that there are distractions in this world that keep us shifty. But sometimes we lose sight of something. We lose sight of God's promises. We lose sight of God's commands and instructions. We lose sight of really what we're supposed to be doing. And then we come back to it a year or two, ten years later, like, I remember when I used to remove the distractions in our life so that we're spending time with God each and every day. Um, as I close, the latter part of Joshua, we that all really was to support Joshua 3 and 5, just one verse, but I want to read Joshua 3 and 6. It says, And Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over ahead of the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of the people. I want to, let me rephrase that because it might sound like something that is not. Joshua wasn't telling the priest to start walking towards the promised land and the people going to just start following. You know that's not true because if you read Joshua 3, 7 through the rest of it, they haven't started moving yet. There's still more instruction, more things to do. What Joshua was telling the priest is pick up the Ark of the Covenant and walk in front of the people with it. Pass by the people with the Ark of the Covenant. Now you might say, okay, so what? What does that really mean? Here's what I thought was interesting with this. You remember God had already told the officials to tell the people, you know, y'all gonna be marching, y'all gonna go behind the um, the people, the priests with the Ark of the Covenant, keep this distance. You remember that? If you go back to that passage and you look at this passage, you know what's interesting? They still don't know where they're going. <laughs> Up until this point, we know because we've read the narrative, right? We know that they're about to cross over the Jordan River. These people at this time, they don't know what to expect. God hasn't told them. Joshua, tell the people you're about to cross over the Jordan River. <laughs> I'm going to split the waters. That happens later on. Up until this point, God it's telling Joshua to tell the people to have faith in me, even though you don't know what's going to happen. See, now that's hard for us because we want to see it first. You got to show me a little bit, God, before I'm going to really follow you. This is me talking to God at times, and I'm just being honest with you. Sometimes it's difficult for me to step out there on, on this, what we call a blind faith, without seeing some things. However, these this generation did see some things. They saw their prior generation, their fathers fail because they didn't have faith. They saw God provide for them. They saw a lot of things. I don't want us to look at them as, oh, they don't know nothing. Yeah, they do. They do. But God does not have to tell you everything all the time. He don't have to reveal his entire plan to you. Like, who do we think we are? Like, God tells us to do something, say, oh, no, I'm not sure. Show me a little more than I. No, God is not in bargaining with us up until this point he hasn't told the people the how at all 
He just says, follow the Ark of Covenant with the Levitical priest character. You just follow them wherever they go. <laughs> All right? We got to follow God's word is what I'm saying. Even if we don't know how it's going to look in our life, even if we don't know what's ahead, we have to have faith. I'm, um, I'm going to ask you to step out a little bit on faith with me um, this Wednesday. Um, so this is, I'm going to close the, I'm going to close the lesson here with, uh, with prayer. But before I do, I'm going to ask, you know that this lesson series um, is preparing for a new beginning. You know that we are in this intermittent phase where we're um, preparing to meet again. We don't know when that will be, but we know that we're preparing to meet again and have that fellowship that we that we long for, that face-to-face -face fellowship and be able to meet in, at, at, at the church again one day. Um, and so that's how this whole lesson series came about. Um, Joshua told the people, he said, consecrate yourselves. Because tomorrow I'm about to do wonders in the sight of the people. That's what God was saying. That consecration, they had to wash their clothes, their garments. That meant removed from the evil stuff. They had to make sure they were clean and pure, right? They had to, to resist those things that could distract them. So I'm asking that this Wednesday that you join me, um, your pastor, in a day of fasting. Um, this is this Wednesday, July 8th. I'm from six to six. Um, nice that you join me. Um, I really tried my best to emphasize unity. All right, try to emphasize unity. Um, so I'm, I'm asking um, that we all join together in a day of fast, if you're able to. And I say if you're able to, because your situation may be unique or different, and you may have to make some adjustments. Um, so if you can't, you can't. If you can, you should. Um, and so here it is. It's from six to six. Just want to go over a couple of quick guidelines. Um, point one says scripture will be provided at 6 a.m., 12 noon, and 6 p.m. Uh, I'm going to, during this fast, this day on Wednesday, I'm going to send you a scripture now. I'll, you only receive the scripture if you signed up for the Remind text communication that about 17 of you have signed up for. Um, so if you haven't signed up for that, it was in the email in the newsletter, please, please go back and join the, the remind code so I can send a communication to you. There'll be a scripture that you'll receive at 6 a.m. Um, that I'm going to ask that you read and have prayer. It's like breakfast, all right? <laughs> um, and then there's a scripture I'll send at 12 noon that I'm asking uh, for you to read and say prayer. You can do this with your family if your whole household is doing it together. It's just you. That's where I know that I'm doing it with you. And then at 6 p.m., right before you break the fast, I'm going to send you another scripture. I'm asking that you read and, and pray over. Um, the scriptures take the place of food. I know um, you, a per, the person that's speaking to you is a person that loves food. <laughs> I, I get it in on, on the meals. <laughs> um, but I want us to come together for this fast. Uh, I'm only asking if, if you take anything in that's water, if you're able to, again, I said if you're able to. Um, I will be probably carrying around, and you can see this, I'll be carrying around this big jug uh, right here. <laughs> uh, 
this holds 100 gallons. I'm sure I'll go through this as I'm going through the day. Um, but the goal of it, and, and all the scriptures will kind of be related to some topic. There's some things that's really pressing right now, um, and that's us preparing to to move into face-to-face. That's um, what's going on around us um, with, with, with the pandemic, which is the reason why we're meeting in this um, setting in the first place. Um, and then the, the third is some of the, the, the tensions between different people and relationships, races, and all of that. So there's a lot that we can pray about um, as we as we do that. So I'm asking that you join me with that. That's Wednesday from um, 6 to 6. Uh, I'm going to close with prayer, if you could uh, bow with me. Um, oh, last thing before that, just continue to remember to keep in communication with one another. Um, whether that's a phone call, an email, a text, uh, anything like that, I'll continue to pray for me and my family as well as I continue to pray for you and, and yours. Um, I pray that you have a blessed week. Uh, if you could bow with me for prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you for uh, this time of fellowship. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for caring for us and providing for all our needs. We pray that you would help us to remember that it's you that provides for us and not we ourselves. I pray that we would just have that attitude of gratitude each and every day. I'm asking that you continue to bless our church family, continue to bless those that are associated with our church family and other churches that are meeting in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I ask that you will bless our, our plan to fast this week um, and that um, you would hear our humble cry uh, and be attentive to our needs um, as we um, bring them to you. We thank you um, once again for this time and this lesson. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week um, and be safe.